Here's Neymar now, Cavani is there. And Saint-Etienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tomac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Hello and welcome along to Le Beaujeu. Coming up in the pod, we ask who needs Neymar, Cavani and Mbappe when you've got Chupo Moting? Are Leon going back to their bad old ways? Is Benedetto the answer to Marseille's prayers? And could Nice be at the start of something special? Welcome along to the podcast with me this morning. Another excellent panel, including David Crossan on my left. Bonjour, Matt. Bonjour, David. David, the Newcastle fan. Opposite him is a Sunderland fan. Boo. Producer Ian, Ian Holyman. Bienvenue. Thanks, Matt. I was looking to pay my own uh, release clause of uh, two euros 22, but back down the back of the sofa wasn't quite enough. So I'm here this morning. Well, you, yeah, you need to bring a bit more next week if you're going to be on the show, particularly with puns like that and jokes like that. <laughs> Opposite me, Wimbledon's very own biggest supporter, Armel Tangi. How are you, Armel? All right, doing better than Wimbledon. I was going to say, yeah, not good. What happened at the weekend? I uh, don't know, didn't watch any football. Really? No, I only watch Liga. That's all I'm paid to watch. Oh dear. That's not very good for a, for a supporter. <laughs> no, we drew 0-0 uh, if, if you... Oh, you do. Yeah, you against Wickham Wanderers. So uh, it's a point, our second of the season. It is a point. It is a point indeed. And uh, points were at stake this weekend, as they are most weekends in Liga. When are they not at stake? <laughs> well, during the international... <laughs> when is a cup round? During the international break, Dave, we're going to start... The Trev. ...with the champions. The champions back in business. They travelled to Mets. They were without their big three in attack. Uh, Cavani and Mbappe injured. Neymar just uh, sitting this one out, awaiting the resolution of his future. Here's what happened. Matt Spiro, i.e. me, was commentating. Di Maria then against Ukija. And Di Maria slots it. PSG take the lead inside 11 minutes. And it's their in-form Argentine, Ankel Di Maria, who, in the absence of Cavani, Mbappe and Neymar, took responsibility from the spot. It's Verratti who takes it. It's a good delivery and it's 2-0 PSG. Chupamoting in the goals at the moment. It's his third in the last week. PSG doubling their lead before the interval. Well, very good commentary that. And uh, I can tell you <laughs> it was, a, it was a, good, a good football match. I, I, I thought Mets gave it a pretty... Uh, a pretty good go, and I'd, I'd say for about half an hour, 40 minutes or so, um, PSG were, were struggling to get into their stride. They were, were gifted a fairly cheap penalty because it was a very silly foul from Fofana on, uh, on Bernat. But I was observing Thomas Tuchel in the first half, and he was going berserk. He got a yellow card. He was, he, he was getting very angry with every refereeing decision. He got the yellow card for arguing about a throw-in. And I, I just thought he was looking a bit stressed. PSG... Got the win, Chupamoting got a, a second goal. It was his uh, third in a week. So three wins now out of four and PSG are top of the league, Ian, on, on goal difference. Reassuring for, for PSG after their slip in week two. It is, but like you say, I mean, Mets, I saw Mets absolutely dismantle Monaco in their first home game of the season and uh, not surprised that they gave PSG a bit of a go. Yeah, Fafana's tackle was a bit silly, but I thought Diallo... It was a particularly a, a lovely snapshot um, from him. Really, I think he's a really quality player and he, he, he looked very good, even up against uh, Thiago Silva and, and Marquinhos. So Mets are going to be no pushovers uh, this season. I mean, the question is really, who does need MCN when you've got, what, EMCM already and Eric Maxim Chopomotting? But I mean, the thing, the, you know, he's doing all right. I mean, it's against Mets. It was, it was the textbook towering header he is doing all right but can i just come in because i was away last weekend they said i was at the g set g g g yeah you were at the supermarket whatever it's called (laughs) i was talking to donald trump that's not quite true i was uh i was back in the uk but i was of course listening to le bourgeois podcast and i was listening to everybody wax lyrical about eric maxim chupomoting because he scored two goals against toulouse you know fair enough and last weekend he he headed in a, a variety free kick but guys I, you know, I was listening to that thinking somebody has got to, got to say what we all think, that Chupo Moting, well, I think this, Chupo Moting is not good enough for Paris Saint-Germain. And this morning, 
I'm reading uh, reports that PSG are looking, for, uh, are looking to sign Icardi today. Just to let you know, it's a rather awkward time to, to record the podcast because by the time you listen to this, things may have happened. But, I mean, am I not right? What, what, is, what, what is Chupomotin doing at Paris Saint-Germain? He was hardly good enough for Stoke. What defines not being good enough for Paris Saint-Germain? Because if you, two of your front three are out, you need someone who can step in and score the goals. That's what he's done. I know he had a difficult season last season, but if you've got a, a backup forward, because that's what he is at PSG, and he comes in and scores goals... I don't see the problem. I think he's, he's good enough to play second fiddle. I mean, Matt, Matt, to be fair to me, you didn't actually let me finish because I was going to say he isn't really good enough for Paris Saint-Germain. But, but I think what is, what is crucial is that, he's, he's, of course, intrinsically, he's nowhere near as good as Mbappe. But he's not or, good enough for or Cavani. Or, he's not good enough for Marseille. No, well, that's debatable. Well, but, I don't think it is. But, well, I think it varies. very debatable. Okay. But... Um, but What's, what Tuchel has brought him in for is that he knows him. He knows he's a solid player. I think there's no, there's no doubt about that. I think Hesse is more solid. He must be carrying at least 15 <laughs> or 20 extra kilos. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a tight head prop. But um, he knows, Tuchel knows that, that Chopper-Motting is not going to rock the boat. He needs backup. You always need backup. I tell you what, Bayern Munich, club that I've followed, I've done a lot of work with, they have been trying to find backup to Lewandowski for absolutely years and they have, they've just not managed so to it, do so it. If, so if it's such a perfect fit, Dave, why, why are PSG looking for Mauro Icardi? Because you, it's not glamorous, is it, having Eric Maxim Chupo-Moting and PSG want to be and are one of the top 10 clubs in Europe and need to kick on from that and do even better. But Chupo-Moting... Sorry, I'll, I'll just butt in again. I know I'm a, bit, I'm, a, I'm a bit you know at it this morning. I've had a lot of coffee, but... They're actually going to start their Champions League campaign with Chupomoting up front. And I think that's why they're looking at the transfer market. Because let's see. And, you know, I, I am perhaps being a bit harsh on a guy who's just scored three goals in two games. But let's see how he gets on against Real Madrid. Yeah, it's a fair point. And with Neymar suspended for those first three games and the other two injured, of course, he can't carry the attack for those three games. They need to try and do something or play in a different way and make sure that they're in a position to qualify when uh, Mbappe and Cavani are fit again. But um, I'm, the whole Chupomoting debate, it's a bit like when you pick an international team and we spend ages talking about the, the third-choice goalkeeper or the backup left-back. I think it's, in the long term, in the medium term, it's, it's pretty irrelevant. Fair enough, fair enough. But uh, Armel, have, have we seen PSG play well since March when, they, when, they, when their season went flat when they lost to, to, to Manchester United because yes they've won three out of four but again I wasn't I wasn't impressed I was kind of wondering what what the game plan is still and apart from Di Maria there was there was there was no spark against Mets. Having seen them win 3-0 on the opening day I think I can probably say just about yes in direct answer to your question they played well against Nîmes at home on the opening day since then the defeat against Rennes no, simply. The 4-0 victory over Toulouse, not really. Toulouse just sat back and waited to be broken down and eventually the quality told. And this weekend's game, losing 2-0 in Mets. I, I was in Mets last week and speaking to the coach and the captain, Rene Coaz, and I got the impression they were going to set up like every other team against PSG just to soak up, mm. soak up the, the energy coming towards them in an attacking sector. And to see Paris only leave with a 2-0 scoreline against a team that's just been promoted and was clearly not setting up to try and win that game. He was saying, we, the coach, Vincent Ognor, said to me, we start with a point, we're going to try and conserve that point throughout yeah. the night." I think minutes. what's frustrating, Matt, is that Paris Saint-Germain are top of the league going into this Trev, the international window, the Trev international. I think in England they call it the international Jean-Pierre. <laughs> um, and I, I really don't think Paris Saint-Germain have played well so far this season and I was hoping as a neutral that a different club would be top going into this window perhaps Rennes with a 100% record or Lyon if they'd managed to build on those opening two wins so I am a little bit frustrated it's only goal Thomas difference Tuchel's isn't PSG it are top on goal difference. Teams, yeah we've got, we've got yeah, four but, teams but, on nine points sorry and I'll just but, uh, let people know so uh -huh. Rennes, Nice and Angers on, on, on nine points I was just going to say though they can't win even when they win can they if they'd hammered Mets like 7-0. Yeah, you're right. We'd have said, oh, well, come on, that's a bit easy. Mm. And everybody would have said, oh, this is a Mickey Mouse league, etc., etc. Now we're criticising them because they only win 2-0. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm, the fact I'm, I'm is that they just had to I'm win. Exactly. They won 2-0 away from home. Let's see. Let's, yeah. let's see what happens when they play Real Madrid. Yes, it is not ideal going in there without Mbappe, Mbappe and Cavani and, and Neymar. It's not ideal having 
Chopo Moting as your as your lead forward. I honestly don't think that Mauro Icardi is a is a very good idea at all. I'm pretty sure the Paris nightclub owners, other nightclubs are available. Will be delighted if he if he rocks up, given his slightly you think volatile you reputation. Think strike up an understanding with Verratti. Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> I would like to suggest that, but um, I don't. I mean, Chopo Moting is there for his attitude for his application every single day and because he's a very solid footballer as Robbie said famously last week he is not crap no he, yeah? yes he's not- I heard Robbie he's, he would have been the best player in his school but is that a criteria <laughs> <laughs> is that a criteria to, 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 to sort of but you, you've got to you, you, you can't have you can't have somebody of the class of Mbappe sitting on the bench waiting for Mbappe to get injured well, you either have someone like Chupa Moting as your backup or you have talented youngsters. But as Paris Saint-Germain sell all their talented mm. youngsters, it's got to be Chupa Moting. Right, but also, how long are those talented youngsters going to sit there and say, well, they're going to look at Mbappe, who is a very talented youngster, yeah. and say, oh my God, I'm, I'm not going to be first choice for about 12 years. Listen, the big difference there is most of the talented youngsters came through at PSG, therefore they probably know they're not going to play for the first team. You've got to come through somewhere else and then sign. I think it's a bit harsh to say they sell all their talented youngsters. I mean, they they, they are selling quite a lot at the moment. But uh, do you, like, I look at Nkunku and 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 Diaby and uh, Ensoki. Perhaps I haven't seen enough of him, but I'm not convinced they're gonna like in two or three years we'll be like, oh my goodness, why did Paris Saint Germain sell them? And I saw I commentated the game and. Uh, we saw Adil Alshish, who is just 17, only just turned 17. He was PSG's youngest ever starter. And, uh, you know, that is sort of contradicting the PSG don't care about youth because Tuchel picked him when he had other options like Leandro Paredes on the bench. They picked uh, Zagre the week before. So get him a game, Zagre, sell him for yeah. 10 million. Yeah. Watch out no, for it's, Alshish it's, it's, today. It's questionable. And I think the financial fair play is one of the reasons because they realise they can make some some good money by by selling these young players. I'm going to talk about an older player, slightly older, because there's a kind of Brazilian-shaped cloud hanging over the Parc des Princes, and we are going to talk about that cloud. And we are going to assume that there isn't any late drama in the Neymar saga on Monday. So apologies if, 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 if we're kind of like not up to speed. But it's going to be difficult, isn't it, for, for Neymar and for Paris Saint-Germain in the coming weeks, in the coming months, given, given the fallout between the supporters and Neymar. I can't imagine personally that in that dressing room, you know, PSG are four games into the season. I can't imagine he's a particularly popular figure. He hasn't played a game. He's just, you know, he's, he's made it clear he wants to leave the club. I'm talking about Neymar, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think they're going to play hardball with him, though, aren't they? I mean, even Leonardo, there's a, there's a great quote from Leonardo where he's just said, I'm going to come in, I'm going to speak French. And for those who don't understand, they should just take lessons. Well, that's it, and I, I and I think that's good news for PSG. Not that you know that Leonardo, you have to speak French to Leonardo or whatever, but that, that they're going to be a bit tough with the start. No one's ever curled one into the top corner just because they spoke French. No, but Dave, this isn't this what PSG needed a little bit, kind of yes, you know, it is authority to not let these players. And I think the fans, but, would, but then will, we, I think the fans will appreciate but, seeing Neymar have to fight for his place. Yes. But then we've talked about the authority and the PSG or the lack of it when Neymar's allowed to go off dancing or for his sister's birthday or whatever. He's already missed four games this season. He missed fewer games than that when he went off to do his partying. And also, from a club perspective, if he is going to stay for this season, I don't think his value is going to increase by next year. Mm. Personally, I would have taken the money, whether it was 130 million plus players or 170 million plus players. For me, Leonardo feels like, and I know this probably doesn't, speak to the heart of our, our younger listeners but back when Matt, Ian and myself were children we probably had football stickers and the ones everyone wanted were those oh, yeah. silver club badges mm. and I feel like Leonardo's the man with the silver club badge and Barcelona are trying to offer him 20 stickers for that silver club badge but Leonardo doesn't want to give over that silver club badge yeah. I and mean, it would have been resolved in a different way in the school playground I think but <laughs> <laughs> to, to carry on the, the, the silver in, uh, in what you've just said I think there might be a silver lining to, the, to this whole Neymar saga at the start of the season because for the past couple of seasons of Neymar at PSG he's played at the start up until January done very very well we can't deny that and then been injured for the most part of the season perhaps his suspension in I the Champions League and the fact he's missing these early games might just mean he could finish the season and actually 
change the outcome of PSG's. I think do some extra work seasons. in the Orodu Centre sandpit. They're always my favourite training pictures. Like, look, I, set a long jump you, you say say what you like about Neymar. I think what you like. It's not his fault that he got those injuries, and you know, mm. there, there, there's obviously a, an issue with it with his foot. And fingers crossed, he'll be okay. For me, there's a there's a, a sparkling silver lining, and that is that we've, you know, assuming nothing happens today on Monday, <laughs> we've got one of the best players in the world in league and for 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 another season. Mm. I mean I thought it was also it's quite interesting that Lionel Messi apparently said to Neymar that you should come back to Barcelona because we need you to win the Champions League. Now okay Neymar is kind of Paris Saint-Germain's Lionel Messi or maybe you could argue Mbappe is. Yeah. I mean but it, so then surely but it shows if Barcelona Barcelona have got Messi, they've got Griezmann, they've got they've got Suarez, and Messi saying we need Neymar to win the Champions yeah, but, League. But, that but, says but, a lot about Neymar. Yeah, it does. And I, what I was going to say is that the, the Paris Saint-Germain squad, I I think, doesn't have a lot to you know, this doesn't need to be too embarrassed when compared against Barcelona's right now, does it? Well, what will happen is if he scores a hat trick in his first home game when he does start playing, those fans that were saying nasty things about him at the first home game of the season will be giving him adulation. Debate That's the way football works. I disagree. Works. He was disagree. whistled when he scored four against Dijon yeah, a couple of years Dave. ago. Well, I think, I, I, I think he'll have to do much more, much more than score a hat trick mm. against Dijon. That was to do with uh, the penalty Dijon. and Cavani's record and everything, wasn't it? It was, granted, but I, I, I don't think... I'm giving the, the the PSG fans a bit more credit than that. Yeah. I think I think it'll take a few months of at least showing commitment and and lifting this team. I'd and say, doing it in the Champions I'd say forty percent of the Parc des Princes un, won't won't be happy to see him there if he starts the next home game. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Should we should we move on, chaps? Because there was a lot of action outside of uh, outside of Paris Saint Germain. There was a big game actually between Lyon and Bordeaux at the Group Armour Stadium. Lyon were beaten uh, by Montpellier. Uh, 1-0 just a few days before that. David Crossan commentated the action. The slide rule ball by Martin Terrier. Depay in on goal. The angle against him and he finishes it off. He is in sensational form at the start of this campaign. That's his fourth of the season. Lopez palms it on. What a great save by Lopez. But Bordeaux still end up scoring through the former Lyon man, Jimmy Briant. Briant was sharp. And turned it in for 1-1. One, one. Leon 1, Bordeaux 1. Dave, and it's another disappointing result for, for Silvino. Four points dropped in, in, in four days. Um, having you know had that really good start to the season with two wins. Five points dropped. Five points dropped. Thank you, Dave. Three points for a win for quite a while in France. Your maths, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> top, top dog, Dave. Tell me, give me some football <laughs> analysis. What did you think of that? Um, it, it, was, it was a pretty boring game, to be honest. Best watched in highlights. Um, lovely goal by Depay, his fourth of the season, joint top scorer in Ligue 1, and it was a, a magnificent pass by Terrier to play him in behind Mexia. Mexia and Koscielny were actually good. Um, they went to two centre-halves, Bordeaux, but if that is the centre-half pairing uh, going forward, then teams will try to get them running towards their own goal. That's where they're susceptible. Uh, Bordeaux lined up with a very attacking 4-4-2 formation. When you've got Depreville and Calou as your wide midfielders, that's not the, the most sturdy of, of wide midfield options available to them. But I think where Silvino made an error in this game was by dropping Luca Tuzar, who regularly listens and low is not oh. one of my favourites. Yeah, you've changed your tune. <laughs> but Thiago Mendes played in front of the defence. He is one of my favourites. But um, And Jeff Ren Adelaide started in midfield. That is going to be his Leon position, it appears. Yeah. And he does add legs in that midfield area. He's a, a runner, but will have to adapt to that position. Um, Thiago Mendes... Rash challenge on Otavio. I was really surprised that VAR didn't upgrade the yellow card in the first half to a red card because he stamped on the Brazilian's ankle. And then he got sent off um, 30 minutes from time. And after that, Jimmy Brion equalised the ex-Leon man. He's now, along with Suleiman Camera. here's my fact of the day, the only player in the 21st century to have scored a goal in 15 different league and seasons. How many is he on now? 93, 94? I'm going to say 93, but I might have to check that. Right, okay. Dave, um, good stat, but surprising, isn't it, that, uh, what's his name, Luca Toussaint was, was left out. But also, and Dembele but also as well. Dembele, that's, yeah. what, that's what I was going to say. Um, was, was Depay used as a... It was used as centre-forward. Uh, Terrier and Cornet made their first starts of the season. Uh, it's not surprising that uh, Lyon rotate their squad, but it is surprising that 
they did so in that game, given that Silvino said that the rotation would have to wait until after the international window and the approach of the Champions League and everything. So um, it didn't work. Uh, they, the, the two coaches, um, I don't think either of them could be particularly happy with a point. And there are worrying signs for both of them. But the haircuts were, were good. I heard the you talking this morning about were very good. quite Sosa. similar in my view, but Armel, Not I know, disagrees it. with me. But Not seeing them it. there, it, it started raining very heavily towards the end of the second half. They're very smartly turned out, both Paolo Souza and Silvino. Not having uh, it. Great shirts. It's like the Klinsman Joachim Love reunion from the 2006 World Cup. But they were getting soaked and watching their teams play poor football. Yeah. Bordeaux had what two half chances but after is, Thiago so- Mendes was sent off after Brion equalised in 25 minutes they should have done more uh, Lyon uh, Silvino wasn't happy with the Silvino's attitude Silvino's an upgrade on Bruno Genesio in terms of uh, the, you know the way he looks no? the way he's quite smart <laughs> I thought Genesio's haircut was quite smart in a sort of accountant I'm, no, I'm just wondering if Lyon sort of are, doing, are doing what Marseille did a few years back when Marcelo Bielsa was like falling out of favour and everyone Everyone started saying, we can't have a guy with a tracksuit who doesn't even look at us when we're talking and all mm. this. And they got, they got Michel, who was like George yeah. Clooney um, mm. with, in this beautiful suit. And everyone's like, this is what we need, a proper well-dressed man. And, and then they realised that yeah, actually it, it wasn't, he wasn't half it the does coach make that, a huge, that Bielsa is. It does make obviously a huge difference <laughs> how well you turned out to your tactical analysis and your setting up of your team and all of that yeah. and your training. But actually, Armel, yeah, when you talk really. to Paolo, so, so you, you, you asked him about that, whether it's important to look yeah. good in front of your players. What I did think he say? His answer to me was that he sees coaching as as a an entity. Everything is is you know he works upon everything. So if looking good is a way of being heard by your dressing room, being listened to, then that's part of it. But he also made it clear, you know, humble, whatever. That that's just the way he dresses. He he likes to take care of how he looks. So that's just the way he is as well. He could dress like Boris Johnson and still turn up in the dressing room and be listened to. But I, 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 I believe that it does actually have... Uh, He's not going to get a deal in Europe either, is he, uh, Paolo Sousa? <laughs> no, but things seem to be looking up for, for Bordeaux. And they're a bit of a crotte de nez team for Lyon, aren't they? A bit of a bogey team. Certainly are. They've only, uh, I yeah, think, they haven't beaten them in the last four home games against them now. It's two, two defeats in ten for Bordeaux against Lyon. So Paolo Sousa's good Just hair, case, Dave, is winning oh, no, it. In case we have some French <clears throat> listeners, because Cote de Nez team, that, that doesn't work in French. What's the, what's the French for bogey team? Ooh. Um, um, Bet Noir. Bet Noir, Bet Noir yeah. which, which works is in English, English as well. Yeah. Ian, I'm going to go to you with this, because Silvino, after the game, he, he was saying, it's mentality. It's all about mentality, and we've got to get that winning mentality. I saw a few Lyon players saying, well, hang on, your tactics have got to be a bit better as well, mate. Mm. But Lyon have a mentality issue. Don't they? Are, are, are they going back into these habits of just not being able to get up? for the games week in, week out. We saw that last season, didn't we? Brilliant performances in the Champions League. That was four points off City. And then what? Losing to the likes of Amiens, Angers, struggling when they really should be beating them. I mean, again, I I want to question this Memphis Depay centre-forward role. Now, I know he's played it for... He played it for the Netherlands first. Ronald Koeman stuck him up there. Bruno Genesio saw that game and thought, oh, hang on, that's a good idea. And it it just doesn't work. But he has. He's got he, four goals here. But yeah, but he's eight got, in his last ten. But he's played really. But he's played much better in the other positions, hasn't he? Why you've got somebody like Maxwell Corney, right? Pacey, strong. He's you know he's the, he's the chopper motting of 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 Leon. No, I wouldn't pick him. Yeah, no, no, I would put, play play him through the middle lot and leave no, Depay. Play in a Dembele good in the middle if you're going to play but, anyone else. No, but apart what from I mean Depay. is, if you're not going to play Dembele, obviously. Use Corney. It's also a bit worrying if you only use two superlatives for an attacking player and then just hesitate and continue uh, I'm worried about your Maxwell Cornet assessments guys this is an interactive podcast we love the listeners to to get involved so do email us at uh, league podcast league one podcast uh, uh, at gmail.com or you can you can tweet us I've had quite a lot of um, activity on the on the Twitter this morning actually Samuel J who is uh, I believe an Australian uh, Leon fan pretty much asked just the same question as me. Is it a question of tactics or player mentality? Is that the problem at Leon? Ian just uh, just answered that. We had Kay Alkabi. What do you think of OL? What do they need? Again, they're questions that we've answered. But I remember I was on the pod a couple of weeks ago before Dave pushed me out of my hosting seat um, saying, brilliant, we got a title race. Leon you had one of those silver stickers. I really needed it. <laughs> Leon are looking good, title race, but... <clears throat> It's gone a bit flat. But it, it was the same last season, wasn't it? They look good and then they, they slip up. How is it flat? We've got four teams yeah. sharing top points. 
top place with nine points. I think he meant Leon. No? Oh, oh. I mean, yeah, let's not get too excited either. Dijon last season had nine points at this stage. I would say, let, if you know, of course it's important who wins the league, but if we do put PSG to one side, mm. it, it, it's fantastic, I think, because you've got 10 or 15 teams who are looking at this thinking we could finish in the top four or five here. And that you don't have that in many leagues. It's, it's you know, Marseille have, uh, have got a couple of 1-0 wins and they're like, hmm, we could, or a 2-1 win and a 1-0 win. And, you know, so, you know, that's, that's interesting. And, and I think we're going to, well, Ian's looking like he, what he wants to, to talk here. But Ian, I, I want to bring in Nice because uh, Nice are one of those sides that are probably looking at, at the league table right now and thinking, hang on, this, this could be our season to, to push on and, and qualify for Europe. They got a terrific result at the weekend. They won 2-1 away to Ren. Ren, who were the only side with a 100% record going into the weekend. Um, Gautier Loris made his uh, professional debut for, for Nice and he scored an own goal. Hugo Loris's uh, little brother. So it didn't start well for him, but I think he had a pretty solid game all in all. And Nice came back in the second half. Willem Cyprian got a penalty, another one, his third of the season. And then Racine Colley in the 92nd minute got a winner. Three wins for Patrick Vieira's Nice. And of course, Dave, we've got to talk about what's going on behind the scenes at Nice because it's, it's quite exciting. It is the Ineos takeover. Ineos headed up by Britain's richest man, Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Uh, Bob Ratcliffe is the person, his brother, who's going to be involved in the football side. They're going to get Jean-Pierre Rivert and Julien Fournier back. They're already back. Um, they left in January. Yeah, Rivert uh, in as president, Fournier as sporting director. Yeah, I can't, yeah he's got some interesting job title but effectively sporting director Julian Fournier and they've signed young players and this is not a new model uh, we spoke about this last season on the podcast a lot of clubs tried to do it Monaco did it very successfully sign players for 10 15 20 million euros sell them on for a big profit Lille do it too um, and it's going to be fascinating to see how the likes of Dolberg Alexi Claude Maurice, um, Stanley and Soki, uh, and others get on. Adam Unas, I'm really happy to see him back in Ligue 1 on loan from Napoli. He's a very exciting winger. Unas and Soki were in the squad as substitutes at the weekend, but we're going to have to wait to see Dolberg the Dane and uh, the Ligue 2 sensation from last season at Lorient. Alexis yeah, that's the thing, because they're, they're, they're young players, but they're not just punts. And I know they've paid quite a lot of money for these guys. Kasper Dolberg, I think uh, 21 million euros from Ajax, but this is a guy who's played... Uh, Europa League two seasons ago when they got to the semis Champions League last season even though he, he, he was no longer first choice at, uh, at Ajax but he's a young lad who's got a lot of qualities uh, as as an attacker Arsenal and other clubs were yeah. were, were keen on Alexi I think one thing we're going to say is they're going to score more than the 30 goals they managed last season well, they are. And, and that's going to give them a good chance of doing better than they did last I season when they already did quite well they, they finished were the seventh, seventh weren't they I, I think people don't give Vieira enough credit considering they finished seventh last year they got nine points from four games and, you know, he's doing this with one of the youngest, thinnest squads, I think, in, in, in Ligue 1. So it's going to be... I, Maybe I'm, you should I'm sign re- Hesse. <laughs> to bulk it up a bit, <laughs> as it were. I'm, I'm a bit worried about their midfield. I know Willem Cyprien has the quality and he's scored a penalty in just about every match he's, he's played play, he's this season. He's playing well. He's playing he well. is playing well as well. But I'm just a bit worried about that midfield. They've got young players there. No one really to back up Cyprien in case of injuries to the likes of Lise Melu. They brought in Kefrim Turam from Monaco, Marcus mm. Turam's little brother. But Adrian Tamez, as we're speaking, hasn't left yet. We've been talking about him leaving. He's a decent midfield player. Da- Danilo didn't really prove himself to be particularly useful last season. They've made a, a few good signs. Their defence between the experience of Dante, Yusuf Atal, who's a brilliant player, and Racine Colley apparently getting the winner. This weekend, I think they've got enough there. Good goalkeeper, and they've signed players going forward. I just think they need a yeah, They managed to midfield. get this result without Dante and without Harrell. So, uh, yeah. even more credit due for that. And the thing is, Ian, for me, this is a really exciting project as well because it's Nice. And Nice, we all know, is a, you know, it's Cote d'Azur, hugely attractive place for a player to come and play. They've got a stadium, they've got a new training ground. This is a club where everything is in place. And now, if they've got the backing, you know, it's not unreasonable to expect Nice in the next two years to be playing Champions League football. Yeah, I mean, most most people think of it as a as a retirement home for for rich Parisians, don't they? And uh, it's it is a it is a brilliant city. It's a real that's surely a real asset for for the club. But I think the smartest move that Ineos have done is to bring back Rivera mm-hmm. and Fournier yep. because they were the ones who really you know. 
have built the club, as you said, Matt, not just the squad, but the club. When they were successful under Puel and successful under Lucien Favre, they've now got this brilliant new new training centre. I was there actually on the when the, when they opened it. That's very important for for players for their for their development for their. How did they their, open it? Was it a well, sort of special ceremony? Well, they, they Champagne bottle against. I, I want to hear it. Ian, you're behind they the didn't. scenes. Tell us what happened. Um, he wasn't there. I, I, I tell you, <laughs> the thing, shall I, I tell you what, the thing that most impressed me? You're the thing the that most impressed me late. was the tan. And the hair of Jean-Pierre Rivera. Oh, Rivera is amazing. He's, we talk now, about we're just talking about smoky dressed men oh. in French football. He is right up there. He's right up there. He is. But he, he knows what he's doing. I mean, it, it was just a weird thing that he just was moved out in, in January. I mean, it was just such a such a bizarre move. As you said, they've got they've got Vieira, who has turned down apparently a, a, a host of jobs to, to stay there. They're starting to build a very good squad. Last season's success was built on the fact that they just didn't concede goals. So if they're not going to concede goals and they're now going to start scoring them, they've got a really potent blend. And I think what is really important to point out is that Nice, despite it looking like a retirement home for very rich Parisians, is actually a real football place. You say that, it's, 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 it's a livelyish town, you know. It's, it's, well, it's, I was going to say, you know, it's a real football town. They have a huge backing, yeah. Yeah? yeah? And they, they, they will fill that stadium if they're, if they're successful. If they improve the transport links. <laughs> If they improve the transport links and some of the hotels around there, because I've stayed in a I couple f- of those as well, do I find it hard to to go there just because I as a, as an Englishman, it just reminds me of Iceland beating us at, at Euro 2016 because it was in the Alliance R- Riviera. Mm. So um, no promenade des Anglais there. It's like it's like the Stade de France. It's kind of like punishment for somebody who has a you know a bit of a let's say liking for for Arsenal football club. That's pretty um, much. That's does, 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 who lost the Champions League final. The Stade de France is like. How many times have I been back to that stadium and thought, "Oh God, if we'd have held on for a few more minutes." Anyway, um, <laughs> it's interesting. It's very interesting. We're going to keep our eyes on Nice for sure. We're going to talk about uh, Nantes, uh, who got another victory. They've got a new manager, Christian Gourcuff, this season, and. Uh, they're doing okay. They're picking up wins. They've got seven points. And that is after their latest victory. 1-0 at home against Angers. And uh, that's not right, is it? 1-0 at home against Montpellier. I should remember that because I commentated it. And here, <laughs> here is what happened. Caps 28 times by Nigeria. Moses Simon, here he is. Running at Pedro Mendes. Finding Torre. Space for Abdoulaye Torre. He's done well. He's done really well. That is a super finish from Abdoulaye Touré, captain of Nantes tonight, with Valentin Rangier in the stands. Yes, a good win and a, a super goal from Abdoulaye Touré, who was head and shoulders the best player on the pitch, actually, for, for, for this Nantes side. It's a bit of a new look, Nantes. They've, they've lost some players. Um, and in this particular game, they had Valentin Rangier in the stands because the club captain and arguably... Best player, he's a very good young midfield player, 24, um, just in case Robbie's wondering. Um, he is, uh, yeah, he was in the stand because he asked to be left out in case he got injured. And that's not going to sit well with the non-fans. You guys listening uh, at home probably know if Rangier signed for Marseille um, or not. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see if Christian Gourcuff can get this team um, winning regularly. He is a coach who has a genuine philosophy We've seen it over his three spells with Lorient in particular. He is a coach who is able to organise a team, to get them pressing, to get them playing a certain type of, uh, of attacking football. And we saw that um, on Saturday. It wasn't a pretty game. Montpellier had played three days before against Lyon and it looked like they'd come really to try and get a draw. Um, they nearly got there, but, but Abdoulaye Touré late, late in the day uh, getting the win. I mean, Nantes are not going to push for a, for a top three or four or even top five, I don't think, but... I think they can they can move forward um, under Gorkouf. Gentlemen, if we can just avoid talking about Christian Gorkouf's hair, Matt used the term head and shoulders in his intro for this game, but I think we've had enough of that already today. And it was to talk about Abdoulaye like Touré. So I'll, I'll go on about Abdoulaye Touré. Armel's going instead. to meet Christian Gorkouf and Fabio, the uh, the Brazilian right back, going going to meet them on uh, on Tomorrow. Wednesday. So you'll have to tell the us. DJ. You'll have to tell us uh, in a couple of weeks how how that goes. Fabio played well, the former Manchester United player. Um, yeah, so have you got anything to say apart I'd, from Christian abs- Gorkouf's hair and I was shampoo? Just getting ready, warmed up. But uh, no, Christian Gorkouf made Abdoulaye Touré his captain in the absence of Valentin Brangier this weekend. And Abdoulaye Touré is uh, 
a lad who grew up in Nantes as well, like actually Rangier didn't, but Rangier moved there as a youngster to join the academy. And I think it was poignant that when Abdoulaye Torre scored the only goal of the game, he went and kissed the armband. That's what you want, isn't it? You've just named someone captain. In he the wanted absence. to leave as well. Yeah. I, I saw his post-match interview and he said, oh, it looks like Valentin's uh, exit is going to be smoother than mine. So uh, he'll leave and I'll stay. So you reckon that was a goodbye kiss to the armband? No, though? I think oh, the badge kissing stuff in football it doesn't mean anything. To this was anymore, an armband kiss, though, as if, as if you know, like... <laughs> I'll tell you what, Nant, Nant can't let... I mean, they can't let him go. No, 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 no. He's, be, he's been... Their understated best, in my opinion, their understated best player well, in the past two or three seasons. He's kind of Yaya Toure, Patrick Vieira. I don't want to go into the cliches. And he's obviously not as good as either of them, but he's a colossus in that not midfield. Well, he certainly was on on Saturday. And he's he's still only 25 years old. You never hear... Stop going on about Rangier, Marseille. Get Abdoulaye Toure in. Half the salary, half the transfer fee. Well, I say that. I have no proof of those facts. But, you know, he won't cost as much. And he is brilliant. He's... Just if they've lost Luis Gustavo, someone that can win the ball back, yeah. play it simply, and then move forward to support an attack, that is Abdoulaye Touré. You say play it simply. I, it, I saw that goal actually. That really, that really added something to me for for Touré because I've always seen him as being that sort of like you know really hard working, very solid, decent distribution sort of midfielder. But that goal was lovely. Yeah, he hit a great shot in the first half as well that uh, Geronimo really saved. Really actually looked quite good for Montpellier. He was probably there. Their, their best player but um, I like you know I, there's a certain freshness about Nantes because they're bringing in some young players they've got great names Moses Simon on the left who who, who did quite well the Nigerian and Imran Luza who I, I've been pronouncing Luza because I it's in the commentary Luza I mean I need to find out if it's it, Luza it is Luza it is Luza mm. he looks anything but because he's 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 very neat technically he's playing in the number 10 role 20 years of age and just you, you mentioned Touré and Rangier coming through the uh, Jeanneliere Academy um, for people who who maybe don't know this is one of the most prolific academies in, in French football history Marcel Desailly Didier Deschamps Christian Carambo Jeremy Toulon four midfielders um, and, and you've got to like a team that's got a giant Malian international striker that's a mainstay mm. of, of my time working in Ligue 1 so Khalifa Koulibaly sorry like him isn't there a 20 year old left back you like to mention as well no, no. Wesley Moustache you're not a <laughs> Wesley Moustache oh no, that's for another day <laughs> oh, he, he hasn't played yet but uh, yeah. it did leave me thinking about the best moustaches ever seen in the French top division I'm with I'm with Arthur Georges yeah, Fitterina Hilton coach. for me last season but we Lewis Gustavo digress. now if we finish with moustaches and, and, uh, and all sorts of nonsense, Ian Holyman's been working. He's been working hard this weekend. He commentated Rouse against Lille yesterday. And I'll tell you what, Rouse are having a, a good start to the season. Here's what happened. Moussa Dumbia takes the responsibility and scores. Dumbia nets from the penalty spot. And Rouse lead. Udan's ball in to the near post. I don't think anyone got a touch. Well, it's ended up in the back of the net and Rans do have a second. Well, some more cracking commentary there from Ian Holyman. Well done, Ian. What did you think of the game? It's, it's, it's two defeats now for Lille in their two away games. They, they, they've won their two home matches, but uh, a bit worrying for, for Christophe Galtier. It's uh, six without a win away now, but I think Lille, Lille really looked heavy-legged. They, they played on Wednesday, remember, when you were at the, G, the, the G7. If you remember, Matt, that that really absolutely just destroyed the fixture list. And uh, and Rance had played on Saturday. You know they had three full days of rest, uh, more than more than Lille. They did. They really did look tired. Isn't and that just a bit a bit a bit French? All right, I'm going to go for my coup de girl. I'm going to go. I've got my coup de girl. I've got a rant. Let's go. Oh merde! Quelle bande de chèvres! C'est mon coup de gueule. Yeah, I just think Ian um, in, in in France, and we've been living here for so long. Everybody, as soon as like there's been an extra day's rest, and I know you're talking about three extra days rest. We're in August. These guys aren't tired. They've just come back from holiday. You serious that Lille can't play two two games in 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 four days? Yeah, I'm just telling you what they look like. They look tired. Well, then that is gen. They, they just genuinely looked tired. They and yeah, I agree. So they Sa- shouldn't be, but they looked it. So did Saint Etienne on Sunday. Maybe maybe it's something to do with the with the with the with the preparation. I don't know. It was pretty warm. It was pretty warm as well. I mean, these guys, are, these guys are still humans, which we, I think we forget quite often. They're and they're f- not crap. 
That's very. They're very well paid to play football matches, and they're well capable of playing two matches a week. Well, Lille are going to have to be, aren't they? Because they've got the Champions mm. League group stage coming up. So that that is probably the more worrying thing about it, is that they are going to have yeah. a, a mm. couple of days rest, and then they're going to have to not only play a league game against the Rand side that they should be beating, they're going to have to play Valencia and Chelsea and Ajax. Are you being a bit harsh on Rance? Just a quick word about Rance, because I commentated them against Marseille, and they were so... So organised, they knew exactly what they were doing. They hit on the counter very well. Yeah, they, they play, that's exactly how they play. They're in, incredibly well organised. I mean, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love for them to sort of David Grion. I'd love him to just come come to my place and just tidy it up a bit because it would be absolutely immaculate. I mean, <laughs> honestly, the the boy knows how to set up a football team. But Lille should be beating them. Look at the quality in that Lille side yesterday as well. They had Renato Sanchez in their team mm. now. Everybody remembers Renato Sanchez, Euro 2016, sensational, brilliant. Best young player of the tournament, ahead of Paul Pogba, I think. Um, that was three years ago, though. And this, well, it's been the three years. That it's, it's, it's done a bit of damage, I think, the Bayern Munich time. I mean, he's, he, he was on loan at Swansea as well. He got some Bundesliga experience at, at, at Bayern. And, of course, you know, living, working with, with big-name players at a big club, that is, it's only got to help. But it, it was all, was only his first game. We have Dario Benedetto, more of that later, the benefit of the doubt a couple of weeks ago. I think we have to give exactly. Renato Sanchez the benefit of the doubt too. You, you, you kind of got in there before me. I was going to say we were, some people, Robbie Thompson, I think possibly. Very critical of Dario Benedetto after one or oh, two I games. Think, I think Armel. I think Armel, it was Armel Tom Armel saying totally yeah. invisible against Nantes, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. And I said, look, the guy, he had a serious injury last year. Mm. He's just arrived in a new country. Give him... Give him a bit of time. Give him a bit of a chance. That's what they did. And we'll move on to Marseille now because they got a 1-0 win against Saint-Etienne on Sunday night. Andy Scott commentated it. Marseille coming forward here. It must be the opening goal. Benedetto. Two goals in two games for the Argentine. It's his first goal here at the Velodrome. And Marseille draw first blood against Saint-Etienne. A huge roar. Greeks the final whistle at the velodrome. It has been a hard-fought victory for the home team. So it's two wins in a row for Marseille. They won 2-1 away to Nice on Wednesday. Benedetto scored in that game and he scored again two goals in four days for the Argentine signed from Boca Juniors. And I'll tell you what, he was good. Probably who a player even better last night was Alvaro Gonzalez at the back. Um, the velodrome loved him. The, uh, the defender signed on loan from, from Villarreal. And, you know, it does look as though, OK, Marseille have only signed two players, but they both look like good signings. We've got a question from Tommy Dolman on Twitter. He says, there was mild concern at Marseille after the games against Reims and Nantes, but two credible results have seen OM kickstart their season. What do Le Bourgeois think AVB is doing differently to the previous coaches? Is it sustainable with Tovin to come back? Who wants to, to answer that question? Armel. Uh, I think one of the main things that Andre Villas-Boas is doing differently to Rudy Garcia is finishing games by making an attacking substitution. The past couple of games he's brought on Valer Jama and hasn't taken off Dario Benedetto with that same substitution, which has allowed Marseille to kind of continue in the same dynamic towards the end of games. Rudy Garcia, when he was 1-0 up against Nantes, against uh, Bordeaux, shall we say, he would he would just bring on a defensive-minded player for an attacking player, and that would invite pressure towards Marseille. I think this is a better watch from a neutral point of view now, Marseille under AVB, and equally, it seems to be helping them grind out results. Right, I, I still don't think Marseille are playing with the same fluency as two seasons ago, when they were unlucky, in my view, to miss out on the Champions League, should have made the Champions League, and made the Europa League final. I really enjoyed watching them that season particularly in Europe. Tovan has been superb the last couple of seasons. They do need him fit and motivated. He'll score 15-plus again this season if he plays the whole season. Uh, great for them that Benedetto's getting goals. Um, last night, what struck me watching the game, they were wearing these special 120th anniversary shirts. Very smart. But the shorts in modern football are massive. There was no gap between Dimitri Payet's socks and his shorts. I don't think that helps them aerodynamically, but I'm not an expert. No, you're not. And 
I would say you're an expert at kind of you know bringing negativity when there's positivity. Marseille have won a couple of games. The new signings look good. You're right though. The fluidity isn't there. I think the Marseille fans would, would admit that. They didn't create very much. I thought it was interesting to see uh, Kevin Strotman playing as the Sentinelle, as the French call it, the holding midfielder, because he hasn't always done that. He's often played alongside Luis Gustavo. Gustavo, by all accounts, signing for Fenerbahce today. Perhaps Rongier coming in. But a promising start. We'll wait, because Kevin Strotman is still a long way from his best. But but he was, he was quite promising. And I think Marseille, looking at Ligue 1 this season, if they can get some momentum... They, they, they can finish top three, I believe. Briefly, I think it says a lot about Marseille that uh, fans are getting excited about Alvaro Gonzalez after a couple of stable defensive performances. I think it says a lot about where that club's at. This is a club that idolises incredible number nines that can get everyone off their feet. And right now it's oh, Alvaro Gonzalez. He made a couple of good tackles. This stable. Yeah, but, but, they have the, but they have the attacking players, don't they? They've got, they've got Payet, Torvan to come back. I mean, Torvan has, Torvan has been... Very special. David and I were talking, and I think pretty much every time we meet, we say Newcastle United should have kept Florian Torvan. He would have been, he would have come good in the, in the Premier League. He's a, he's a top quality player. I, I'm still concerned about the lack of mobility going forward. That they need to have Dimitri Payet 100% fit. Mm. Uh, it's been the case throughout his career that if he's not 100% fit, he's just not as good as he should be. And he's what 32 years old now. I'll have to check that with Robbie Thompson. And uh, he's got to be fit. And they need to get that midfield balance right. And if they do, they will score goals. I said they'd finish top three when we did our top three predictions. I'm going to stick by that now, but a bit tentatively. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are feeling good on a Monday morning, do not have a coffee with David Crossan. One more question that has come in. And I love this question um, for, for, for obvious reasons. It's come from Hussein Ebra on Twitter. Hi, Matt. Can you suggest five good midfielders in Liga who could replace Granit Xhaka in Arsenal's midfield? I could name probably many more than five. We're going to go around the table. I'm actually going to mention Luis Gustavo just because I think he still has a couple of good years left in him. He was absolutely brilliant for Marseille the year before last. And honestly, if you put Luis Gustavo in front of the Arsenal defence, I think it would be a, a huge markup. And we're talking about seven million euros, I think, Fenerbahce of have spent on him, probably uh, probably a big salary. And the other guy who I really loved, two or three years ago, I was predicting him for a big future with France. He had a terrible knee injury, but he is coming back and he's looking good and fingers crossed that I'll continue. Willan Cyprien of, uh, of Nice. I think Cyprien, if he has a good season, I could see him no problem at a, at a club like Arsenal next season. Dave, who, who would you like to put forward? I think the best like-for-like like replacement for Xhaka in French football, unfortunately, doesn't play in Ligue 1 anymore. He's dropped down to Ligue 2. It's Yannick Kauzak. Kauzak, <laughs> 34 years old. 11 red cards in 158 he Ligue 1 starts. He could he do a Xhaka. Xhaka's boots brilliantly. And he's only played 21 minutes in three games for Lens this season, so he's fresh. Do and not cheap. give Raul Sanli any ideas, please, Dave. Armel? Um, I mean, the obvious one, but he's got... He needs to confirm a little bit would be Eduardo Camavinga, who plays similar sort of holding midfield role and brilliant player. But I'm going to go with a, a former Ren man, Bajma Andre. I think if you just want a midfielder to win the ball back and move it forward simply, he's brilliant. No nonsense. He kind of blends into the into the decor, into the background and lets the attacking players do the work. Arsenal have got that attacking array of talent. So Bajma Andre. I... Really like how Jan Avila has played since he came to Saint Etienne. Um, he, was, he, he, was, he was linked to Arsenal, wasn't he? He was very keen on him. Yeah. And it, yeah. But I think if you want to go for, for somebody up and coming, Ibrahima Sissoko of Strasbourg, he would be a quality addition yeah. and uh, slightly better disciplined, I suspect. Powerful player. We've got, we, we got a question. We're, we're not going to be too um, sidetracked by Gunas. This guy's called Guna underscore DS on Twitter. Thanks for your message. Is Ibrahim Songare a midfielder that Arsenal could be interested in? I mean, I don't know. What do we think of Ibrahim Songare of Toulouse? Isn't he? The, he's two metres tall, isn't he? No, that's, so, no? that's Sidibe. That's Sidibe, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's a leggy, he's a leggy I, I midfielder. I was trying to go back Good to engine. the head and shoulders above everyone, but I, I'll leave that now. I think he's a bit, I think he's a bit limited, te limited technically. We've, we've run out of time, fellas, but we are going to, um, to go on a, a, a bon voyage. We're going to look ahead to week five and decide where it might be nice for a little trip.
I am going to go to Montpellier, Nice on September the 14th. And the main reason I'm going to go there is to wish Vittorino Hilton a belated happy birthday because on Friday, September the 13th, Hilton turns 42 and he's still lining up as captain of Montpellier in the heart of a defence. He's remarkable. I love him to bits. 42. That is old. That's, yeah, gosh. Wouldn't like to be for... Oh, gosh, I am. Armel. I think to end this hair-raising podcast, I'm going to go to Brest. They're looking to get a big scalp as they uh, host Wren. It's the first Breton derby of the season. And, you know, I love Breton derbies. And also there's a whole new protocol that you'll have to look carefully for. Saturday, 8pm French time kickoff with uh, plenty of over-the-top Breton celebrations before the big game. Nice. Ian? Yeah, for me... Sunday, 15th of September. There's only one place to go. It's Saint-Étienne. I don't care who they're playing. I just love Saint-Étienne. I just love the, the passion of their fans. They're actually playing Toulouse if you're interested, but just go there. Just soak it up. Old, old school, old style, football city. They absolutely are mad for it. It's brilliant. Well, I will... I, I disagree. I mean, I agree with you, but actually on Sunday, <laughs> I agree, but I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go to Monaco because it's Monaco and, you know, September time, the weather will still be warm and it's Monaco-Marseille. It's a cracking game. And I just think the number of players Monaco are signing, they could have a record attendance come come, come <laughs> Sunday the 15th. They've got a squad of about 80, 80 players. Jean-Kevin Augustin has just signed. There's... There's talk about one or two more coming, and I don't know what Leonardo Jardim is, is, is going to do with all these players. If they move to rolling subs, it would be great in Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> they could have a wonderful side. Islam Slimani scored three goals in his first two games, so he's pretty much um, uh, a cert to start these days. Monaco, though, second bottom, and you wonder what is, what is going on. Sadly, we've run out of time. I do hope that everybody has enjoyed uh, listening to Le Beau Jeu. Do send us your emails if you have any questions, leaguearmpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you again after the international break. We'll, we'll, we'll hear you or you'll hear us again after the international break. From, uh, from myself, Matt Spiro, from David Crossing, Armel Tangi, Ian Holyman. It's uh, time to say au revoir. See you again soon. Kalupa Kavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Toba. Shoot!